0: You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at ngse Sports and like us on Facebook.
1: NGSC Sports. We never stop. Close the door. I'll see you in the morning. Snoopy. glad she came and told me that. That was really, really important. It was crucial. Crucial for the operation. Oh, I don't know how she would have survived without telling me that. She probably wouldn't. That she had put her pillow under her mother's pillow, but was going to move it back. It's good. Oh, that's brilliant.
0: It's good to know.
1: Brilliant. Oh, they us
0: about her. Yeah. She she should she should just come fill us in on the stories we're not gonna talk about, such as uh Tim Howard moving to the Colorado Rapids. Uh sorry, Tim.
1: Rocky Mountain, huh?
0: Ever- Everton will never be the same. I mean it will, but
1: Yeah, they might get good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they probably won't. They've sold their best player, Wes.
1: No, Ed, they're settlers. They settle.
0: Uh, oh, well. All right, let us get then just right into episode 91 of the Foreign Affair podcast. There's no preamble. There's no time for the preamble because we're doing the show early. I am Edward Green. This is my colleague, Wes Bradshaw. joined me, a jubilant Wes Bradshaw, as we recount... Oh, yeah, I can tell very easily. Uh, we're going to be bringing you so much soccer, it may make your eyes hurt. Why your eyes? Because. So we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the crazy, crazy, crazy weekend in the Barclays Premier League. Just when we think this Barclays Premier League of Parity can't get any more bonkers, another weekend happens, and we have to reevaluate Everything. So we'll talk about what happened this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about one League Cup match because we're recording this on a Tuesday night instead of our usual Wednesday. So we won't know what happens in Thanks the. a
1: lot. Um, tropical storm or tropical storm snowstorm. <laughs> Jonas, whatever the hell it was called. Jonas, that's right. Stupid Jonas Brothers.
0: Yeah, where we got we got a solid half inch of uh of of sleet. So that's why we weren't able to do basketball last Friday night. And we're doing it Wednesday this week. Yay. Uh,
1: well, don't forget, we would have done it at Southwest Edgecombe right down the road from my house where we got a solid half an inch of rain.
0: Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. uh, And I'm sure it was even better in Wilson. Uh, we're not going to talk about that on the pod. We are going to talk about uh, Liverpool's triumph over Stoke in the Capital One company Cup Cup. Uh, we'll be previewing uh, very quickly this week's FA Cup matches. No Premier League this weekend. We'll be hitting news and notes as much as we can. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about the Real Madrid transfer ban this week, I promise. Uh, and then we'll hit whatever we have time for left. We have multiple dumb NFL stories. I'll just go ahead and get this one out there. Um, Vince Young got arrested for a DUI. I don't know if it counts anymore because I don't know if he's actually still in the league anymore. He's not. But I'm going to go ahead and count that as a dumb NFL story. We won't talk about that since nothing's I just mentioned it.
1: Just living the life of a, quote, Texas football legend.
0: There you go. I'm sure he can probably get a job at the Longhorn Network now. Uh, we'll also talk the other big story of the week. Watch for So Raw after a enthralling Royal Rumble this past Sunday night, as well as an edition of So Raw on Monday. If you want to get us up, you can on Twitter at AFA Pod at West Bradshaw21 and at Edward Green. Of course, this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports, NGSC Sports.com, where we never stop. You can find them on Twitter at NGSC Sports. How convenient. Just as convenient as these Barclays Premier League fixtures I have in front of me. So Wes, let us waste no more time. Tally no further and get to the 10 matches that blew our brains this weekend. Some of these matches may have blown more than that. Here we go. We start on Saturday the fir- the first orgasmic match of the week. It was just,
1: just 19- if if there was any match just to tell you this is the kind of weekend we're about to have, yeah. it was it was the first damn match of the weekend.
0: Yes. <laughs> get, get, your, get your safety hats on. It's gonna be raining goals up in here. Uh it was Norwich four, Liverpool five, at Cara Road. Despite somebody posting on Twitter today Liverpool's need for goals, they got all the goals they needed in this match against Norwich, coming down from a 3-1 deficit after taking an early lead. Norwich thought they had an equalizer in the 93rd minute. But as we've seen so much this year, there's no reason to get excited until the final whistle. This time, for some reason, Everton wasn't involved as Adam Lovona knocked one in off the turf into the net to beat Norwich's keeper as he really could do nothing except fall to the ground in despair after he was caught flat footed as the match ended. Mignolet. No, it was not Simon Mignolet for once. And uh and as Liverpool wins this one on the road in the final kick five. In your 10 a.m. matches, you had Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham 3, despite a Jan Vertonghen own goal. In the first half hour of play, that saw Crystal Palace score their first goal in about eight hours of contests. Tottenham managed to come roaring back in the second half. First, it was a Harry Kane header. Shades of last year's North London Derby at White Hart Lane. Harry Kane header. And then it was Delhi Ali with, I'm going ahead and trying to call right now, the goal of the year in the Premier League. I, I think the fight is over. I'm giving it a 10 count. It's done. By TKO, Deli Ali wins Goal of the Year. He wins it for
1: that goal has has launched him into a new stratosphere. He's been given a new name, Ed. What's that? He's no longer just Deli Ali. He's now Real Madrid's Deli (sighs) Ali.
0: This summer, he'll be Roy Hodgson's Deli Ali, and that's (laughs) enough to terrify everyone. Oh, that Nasser Chadley did add a goal in stoppage time. uh, And Hugo Lloris came up with multiple big saves, as well as his uh, goalkeeping friend, the crossbar, to keep it 3-1 Tottenham. Uh, Elsewhere, it was Leicester 3-0 Stoke at the KP. Uh, Jamie Vardy scores his first goal in seven matches for the Foxes. Uh, Leandro Joa finished it off uh, late on with a third goal. Stoke really afforded nothing but a few chances going ahead as Leicester really controlled the match and reasserted themselves atop the Barclays Premier League table. Uh, at Old Trafford, it was Manchester United nil. Southampton won as a chorus of boos rained down at the Stadium of Dreams and hopes as they are all getting flushed down a toilet right now under the watchful eye of Louis Vachal and Ed Wordward. Um... I was about to say Stephen Calker. I know that's not right. So Charlie Adam, no, God, who am I Charlie thinking? Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin. This is what happens when I you have.
1: Walker plays for Liverpool now.
0: Yes, that's true. I, I I'm getting all my uh, mid-season signings mixed up. That's right. Uh, he had the winner late on after coming on as a substitute, uh, linking up with fellow substitute James Ward-Prowse to put Southampton uh, with their first win in four away matches and further sending the Red Devils into a shame spiral uh, at uh, the Stadium of Light. Speaking of stadiums, it was Sunderland. One Bournemouth won uh, both goals coming in the first half for each team uh, Bournemouth took the lead early Sunderland took it back right On the stroke of halftime as Patrick Van Auer, Holt equalized things for Sam Allardyce's side. Uh, It was Watford 2, Newcastle 1. Watford had been in a bit of a tailspin, but gets things right against the Geordies. Uh, A big 2-1 win for them that sees them stabilize things as they hope to stay in the Premier League and are starting to get in that safety zone right now. Uh, Might almost be time to do a safety dance, but not quite yet. Uh, West Brom, nil. Aston Villa, nil. Literally, I've already said too much about this game. Almost nothing going forward. Uh, Rudy Justead may have had the chance of the match for Aston Villa on a header that he could not convert on. But even then, that's asking a bit much. Uh, Really, a a Tony Pulis special. All defense, not a lot of offense as it finishes nil-nil. And finally, a very, very good match um, West Ham 2, Manchester City 2. this was your 1230 Eastern Time match. Uh, it, you could say it was also Inter Valencia to the Kuhn Sergio Aguero to they were the goal scorers for each side. Inter Valencia scoring within the first minute of play uh, Aguero leveling it up uh, from the penalty spot. Uh, And then Valencia getting what he thought might have been a match winner inside the uh, hour mark in the second half. But the Coon struck again late to save a point for City as they do drop slightly farther behind in their title race against Leicester and Arsenal. And speaking Uh, of
1: um, play one thing for you real quick, Uh, just since you are mentioning the Mm Coon. I want everyone to hear what my alarm tone is in the morning when I wake up uh, to go to work. Alright. Coon friends alone. Coon friends alone. Coon friends alone. Alert. Seriously. All coon friends to base. Alert you guys. I'm seriously. I just want everyone to hear that.
0: That's brilliant. I'm sure everyone in your household appreciates that. Uh <laughs>
1: Absolutely loves
0: it. I bet she does. Um, at uh, Goodison Park. Uh, speaking of Tim Howard, uh, he gives up two goals on the day to Swansea as they get their first win under their new Italian manager. Uh, it was goals uh, after Andre A. U. took the penalty from Tim Howard. Yuffie Sigurdsson stepped to the spot and coolly buried it in the corner. Uh, A. U. actually added, uh, I believe A. U. added the winner just a little bit later, and um, oh god, names are just like abandoning me in my head, Seamus Coleman had a chance to tie things up for Everton with the last kick of the game, as a headed corner came directly to his feet, not more than two yards outside the box, but Seamus Coleman dared to Wando and sent it over the crossbar, which is very hard to do from that close to it. But he did, and uh, Swansea saves the point. Everton's lone goal came on a Jack Cork own goal. Uh, not the best of games either for Romelu Lukaku, and uh, in what you know we thought was going to be you know one of those great matches again, you know, at the beginning of the season. But unfortunately, because somebody had to go and you know depart by mutual consent, we were left without our customary Arsene Wenger Jose Mourinho battle. But at the Emirates, it was Arsenal nil, Chelsea one. The man everyone loves to hate, Diego Costa, with the goal in the twenty-second minute after getting Para Matosacker perhaps sent off with a bit of theatrics. Uh, the challenge was a bit clumsy and most likely a denial on goal. So maybe, maybe it should have been a yellow on Costa for a bit of simulation, but no doubt uh, that Sacker should have seen red. Um, because of that, Olivier Giroud came off for in place of Gabriel, and he was one of the men responsible for losing Costa on Costa's goal. Um, also because of that, that meant Matthew Flamini had multiple chances for Arsenal, and that's usually not a good thing. Flamini scuffed all of them, and that's what led to Arsenal dropping points to their hated, hated rivals in London. So, Wes, uh, as we are wont to do, let's, uh, let's head back to Carrow Road for Norwich 4, Liverpool 5. Um, nobody sure. wanted to play defense. Which is fine, I guess. You know, who cares? You know, more goals are always exciting. Um, g- give us, give us your take. Coming down from three-one, all the way up to four-three, leaving it late to four-four, and then getting the winner.
1: Oh, my. what a what a roller coaster, Ed! I felt as if I was spinning a day at Six Flags over Georgia.
0: Oh, beautiful
1: which I don't know if it exists anymore, but I know I've been there at least once. Um, You know, the match starts, Naismith gets the opener, and you're sitting there going, oh, crap, it's going to be one of those days. But then you sit back and you're like, you know, Naismith usually scores against Liverpool, so, you know, whatever. We'll find a goal or two here. We always do against Norwich. Uh, Come back, we get the equalizer. Okay, things are going great. And suddenly it's three to one. Um, I'm ready to throw a brick through my television, <laughs> as you, you know, as everyone is who gets up for the early match and then sees their team get beaten. It's never fun. No, it's like crap. It's the worst. And you really, f- you really feel for the West Coast people.
0: Oh God.
1: Um, but you know, even for us here, it's like God. It's Saturday. I'm up before eight o'clock. Ah, man. This is this is killer. We we yes. need to do something right. And then in rapid succession, Liverpool come back. They get the equalizer, um, and then the game seemed like it was petering out a little bit. <laughs> little did we know that there were still three more goals to come. Yes. Um, as the game seemed like you know okay, maybe we're destined for three three and a point here, which would be nice after being down three to one. And then the back pass, the no look oh, back pass. That Ooh. fell right into the path of boring old James Milner.
0: It was James Milner time.
1: Who took a nice uh, took a nice touch of it, carried the ball upfield, slotted it past the goalkeeper. Four three. Holy shit, this is ecstasy. We're gonna come out here with three points. And then Bassong <laughs> was in the equalizer. I think we all kind of felt like Claude. We're also like, oh my God, wasn't wasn't extra time supposed to be over? Yes. I mean, what the hell's going on here? You know, why is there still time left on this clock? Oh me, I, I felt so Jurgenish. You know, you, you looked at my beloved Jurgen, the the great German that he is, and he's just furious. You know, Brendan would have been speaking to the third official about his character, yes. but Klopp's just, ra- Klopp just raged. I love Klopp. <laughs> Klopp's awesome. Uh, he just he's over on the sideline. He's raging. Ball gets thrown into the box, bounces around off Benteke, off Calker, falls to the feet of Adam Lalana, who usually is going to put that ball over the bar, no doubt about it. Um, this time, I think he messed up and accidentally kicked it into the ground. Yes, yes he did. And then luckily, uh, it hit the top of the net before bouncing any higher because it was, I, I still felt at that point it was destiny go over the top of the net. <laughs> ball in the back of the box. Um, I actually, I I started to like half jump off my bed. We have like one of those memory foam
0: mattresses.
1: (laughs) So when I did, it's like, you know, I didn't get like any air. So it's like the front part of my body went up. And when I came down, my legs went over and actually like flipped me off the bed onto the floor.
0: (laughs) Oh my.
1: Yes. I did this all while screaming bloody murder. Yeah, my, my, my sweet little princess who made an appearance earlier on the show tonight, she came in to see uh, why daddy had fallen on the floor. <laughs> um, I I picked her up and spun her around the room in, in joy and adulation, um, and then I rewound it about a dozen times to rewatch it.
0: <laughs> Probably for the and best. It,
1: it was absolutely magical. I mean, now we know Everton fans feel, except <laughs> for the fact that we have trophies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They don't. and you guys win these matches they they, exactly. they haven't won any of these
1: matches this year yeah, we're, not, we're not on the receiving end of these matches we're on the giving end of them so, just an absolutely incredible match um, it was it was exhilarating we scored goals finally we gave up a ton of goals as we seem to do lately um it, this match showed nearly every flaw that Liverpool has. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it showed maybe the one biggest thing that Klopp has brought Liverpool, and that's that never say die attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, you play your ass off until the final whistle. Um, and I mean, it's just I saw a lot of people saying a lot. I've got to agree with them. Down 3 1. I just believe with Rodgers, we're not coming back and winning that match. I just think, you know, I just think Klopp has has instilled a belief into these players that no matter what, you're never out of it until it's over. You know, keep going, keep pressing, keep fighting, keep throwing the ball into the box, see if something happens. And, uh, you know, while in no way, shape, or form is Liverpool playing perfect. And I still think we're going to have a clean out of that squad after the spring into the summer. I think, you know, there's going to be a, there are definitely going to be guys on the way out. He, he's got them playing with a belief that when they're, when they're playing hard, it's infectious and it's fun for the fans.
0: And that's, that's a positive. Cause this is, you know, a club that, you know, a couple of years ago was, you know, maybe one match away from winning the league and, and, Basically went on a bit of a downward spiral, quote unquote downward spiral, uh, culminating in the sacking of Brendan Rodgers earlier this season. But I, I think Klopp is the best thing this club can do right now, and he's he's just almost willing this team uh, back up the table, and it's it's very impressive to watch because I I just I, I look at them and I don't see that many really good parts right now. Uh, I think I think there's some, some decent ability there. Um but I also see some guys playing out of position and then there's the whole IR bag that you know you could look at. But I just I think he's the best thing going for this team right now. You know, with every signing that has either gotten hurt or been Christian Batenke not really working out this year. Uh I just really think that he's he's stabilized it for now. And that whatever happens kind of the rest of the year is what happens and then next year assuming the transfer committee doesn't screw up and i don't think they will with him look out
1: (laughs) well i think um i think the whole thing about the transfer committee was you know with somebody like brendan rogers who had no top flight experience you know and certainly was not the strong personality of Klopp. you know i think they could kind of push brendan rogers around a little bit And, I mean, there are – granted, there are players at Liverpool right now, some who have worked out, some who have not worked out, who they were not Brendan Rodgers' picks of players. That's not going to happen with Klopp. I mean, that's just – and Klopp has come out and said it. He's like, you're not going to give me players that I don't want. He's like, "Um, you know, at the end end of the day, Klopp has has said that at the end of the day he will have the final say on – if they sign a player or not, not to say that he won't, you know, definitely look into a player that the transfer committee may bring him. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as he said, you know, it might be one that I didn't know about that I overlooked or, you know, they saw something I didn't. And then I see it. He said, but at the end of the day, if I don't fancy the player, I'm not signing the player and you're not going to stick me with the guys that I don't want. Um, Liverpool squad, my true belief is on Liverpool squad I think if you go down the roster man for man, they've got good players. I just think the squad has not been put together well. Yeah. I just I mean, I think there's I think there are quite a few guys on Liverpool who are not performing right now. Who if you took them and dropped them into some other teams, they would be fantastic. It's just where they are, what they're being asked to do. Um you know, their confidence level right now is just – it's not working for them. But I do think it's a solid squad. Um, but I just – I think there's definitely going to be house cleaning because, you know, I mean, you know how it is. You want your own players. Mm-hmm. You want the guys that you want to put them where you want to put them and they can go to war. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with about a week left here in the January transfer market, which I believe we'll get into a little later. Um, I, I just – I'm under the belief with Klopp we are still going to make another move, if not two, and that uh, if the two that everyone's really hoping for come into place, um, Liverpool can still maybe fight on and uh, maybe snag that fourth place. Uh,
0: they do have an uphill climb ahead of them going Absolutely. forward, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this uh, last week or so of the transfer market does (laughs) shake out. And we'll mention that, like you said, a little bit later. Uh, Speaking of, though, a, a manager who came in, cleaned house... And is getting results. That would be Maurizio Pochettino over at Tottenham, who is doing a fantastic job keeping Spurs right now in fourth place. Um, One of the downers from the Crystal Palace match is Jan Vertonghen, uh, who suffered a knee injury. It looks like he's going to be out about three weeks. Uh, That would put him back around the Man City match uh, in February. We'll see. I don't think he'll be ready for that one. But we'll have to hope that the uh, the training table guys get him back for that. Um, but Wes, what what I'm noticing about this Spurs team is, and and believe me, I am trying to quell my excitement every time some pundit out there says, "Oh, Spurs can challenge for the top four? Spurs Spurs can challenge for the top of the title, and I'm just like, I I don't I don't want to hear this. I don't no <laughs> no stop it. Just shut up. Don't don't say it. Don't mm, still still way too far out. Um, but I, I do see that that same kind of belief that you talked about, with Klopp. Um, I, I see it from Spurs a lot, you know, coming back in this game, you know, after after conceding the goal on an own goal to Palace, um, still very strong, still very dominant, and uh, picked up the well-deserved equalizer and then got the winner. You know, sometimes, you know, that crossbar has been very unkind to us a few times this year. This, this day it was kind to us and it helped us get a win. Bad palace, but what I'm seeing is, you know, guys are coming back healthy. You know, Nasser Chadley scored uh, a great goal in stoppage time. That's his second straight match with a goal. And he's now someone who can, now that he's back to full health, looks really good and can either spot start or come in as a great substitute on that wing. Uh, You have Delhi Ali, who is really just been a true revelaton this season. You know, if he. I, I don't know yet, but I, I have a feeling he's going to be in the running for the, uh, the Young Player of the Year in the Premier League this season, depending on, again, how the last 15 matches go, because we still have a lot to play. Um, but you have those guys... You have Toby Aldivereld, uh Kevin Weimer, stepping up after Vertonghen gets hurt uh, for the final 20 minutes or so and putting in a very good shift. Um, makes me think that he can at least hold the line. Maybe not as good as Vertonghen, but with Aldavarel back there in a partnership who has been amazing this year, um, it hopes. And I, I did hear during the match a, a fairly incredible stat that uh, Aldavarel and Vertonghen have actually played every minute of every premier league match this season together, which is sort of absurd for a center back pairing in this day and age. Uh, But that, that is, you know, just next man up. Kevin Weimer came in and did a job uh, and he did it very well. Danny Rose looks good, but so does Ben Davies. So there's competition there. Uh, Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier, uh, because Trippier has been coming along a little bit better every time he's gone to the pitch, Um, his defense looking better and better. And then, you know, Nabil Bentaleb back from injury. Uh, Ryan Mason is almost back. Moussa Dembele is back. Uh, And all of a sudden, it's like you can just sort of interchange almost every player on the Spurs team, and you don't feel like you're going to that much of a downgrade. Yeah, there's probably you could throw out a preferred 11, but injuries right now, except for maybe Kane, injuries right now don't look like they're going to derail Spurs that much because there is that next man up right now. That can really do something. Um, And I guess, you know, the hope is that, you know, maybe when Clinton and Jai comes back from injury, maybe he could be the guy that spells Kane. Of course, Sun Hyung Min uh, spelled Kane during the FA Cup match for most of it and got a goal. He's looked very good and it can also then drop back and play on the wing. So right now, this Spurs team is very balanced. They're very good defensively, Um, they find ways to score goals and they're young and i think more than anything that's those are the things that are going to propel them and keep them in that top four uh part of the table throughout this season um there's a lot of challengers behind them uh although united you know makes me think maybe they're not the strongest competitor at the moment and i'm praying just praying (laughs) that they keep louis van Gaal in charge um but other than that i hope so he has Woodwards backing so it's fine um I just I'm trying not to get too optimistic, but every week the Spurs team keeps showing me something, and and I really think they have the medal, you know. Despite what Sam Allardyce would say after you know we went and put a four spot on them, that that Spurs really do have it in them to finish top four this season. I I I, I can't see the scenario where Spurs actually win the league. I just I. It would just take way too much happening that's not in their control. But I think top four, maybe even third place, is not out of the realm of possibility at all.
1: Um, I mean, I totally agree with you. You know, as the season goes along, I think I'm going to be more and more surprised if Spurs don't finish in the top four at this point.
0: Um, <clears throat> well, and just to back that up real quick, uh, mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying... Uh, I saw Sir Ian, Sir Ian Dark posted on Twitter earlier this week. He said, you know, through 23 matches at this point, there's no more lies in the Premier League table. You kind of are who you are at this point. You know, anybody who thinks Leicester is going to all of a sudden collapse and and, and die, you're not going to see it happen. I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but that's not going to happen. And I think, like you were saying with Spurs, I think that also holds true
1: there. Well, and remember too, as we kind of mentioned earlier, and we'll talk about more later, the transfer market shuts down in a week, mm-hmm. and after that, you've got your roster. Yep. I mean, unless you suddenly find a revelation down in your uh, in your academy somewhere, you've you've got your team. You've got it set. Um, doesn't look like Spurs are going to be making a big move here in January, so you know you know what you've got with them. They're pretty much set. Um, and just to me, I believe their direct competitors for, let's just say, fourth place at this point mm-hmm. um, are United and oh, why do I dare myself to believe, I, I think a what could end up being a hard-charging Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you've still got the Arsenal City, Leicester above them, who you know, with the fact that it seems like nobody really wants to win the Premier League, <laughs> anyone could anyone could fall down and be in that uh, fight for four spot. But, you know, let's take those six. Um, Spurs, God, is it almost wrong to say that Spurs seem to be the most consistent out of all of them? Uh, maybe, m- maybe outside
0: of Leicester. Yeah, I think they are. They have the fewest losses. Outside of Leicester, again they have the—I uh, believe they've given up the fewest goals in the Premier League. Let me let me check on that really quick here. Uh, twenty-two. Uh, yes, fewest goals in the Premier League, only nineteen, tied for the best goal differential with Man City at twenty-two.
1: Well, and I'm sorry, my my whole deal's still with Leicester. God, I, I know Ian Dark was right saying there are no lies at this point, but. I'm just still. God, they're sitting atop at the, the Premier League. I'm just still a little iffy on Leicester. I think they have um, a
0: right to be. I, I'm interested to see what once once the pressure well, really gets to them. I think that's going to be when we see maybe the fall well, a little bit. And when does the
1: and when does the pressure start? Yeah. Their first three matches in February are Liverpool, yeah. City, and Arsenal.
0: Yeah, then we'll know. So,
1: there you go. We're we're going to find out pretty quick uh, what Leicester. Are truly made we're, of, I believe, going forward. After Valentine's um,
0: Day, we'll know.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Run up through Valentine's Day, um, so we we will find out a little something on Lester, and, and we'll see, and we'll reevaluate after that point. Maybe what we're thinking about them. Um, but uh, you know, I'm just I'm more and more impressed each week with Spurs. Um, you know, those kids are. They're not cracking under the pressure. No,
0: which is kind of amazing.
1: And and I do think once you get into January and once you start making a cup run and once you're sitting in that top four, the pressure does start to mount. And, you know, for them thus far, they they just keep doing what they're supposed to do. The the win over the weekend, just a lot of things are falling into place for them. And uh, I just... I just believe this is a team that I think things are going right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, you're not seeing the crazy, I guess we say, mood swings that yeah. we've seen in the past from Tottenham. Yeah. You know, like I said, they've been consistent. You know, everybody loses once in a while. Don't, I mean, take that for what it's worth. Everyone loses once in a while, but when they lose, they bounce back. Mm hmm. And they either they grind out a win or they get a draw. Whatever it is, they come back and they get points after losses, and that's big. They're not letting things snowball against them. Mm-hmm. So I'm just uh, I'm I'm more impressed by the week with them, and uh, I think this is a team that is definitely there to stay in that top four battle. I
0: and I'm gonna we'll finish our Spurs talk with this out, out of the top five. Not to discount Liverpool, but just because these are the five closest ones. Yeah. Um, Leicester, Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Man United. Is it is it conceivable to say that maybe Spurs actually, though, have the least amount of pressure on them? I mean, to be, this was a team that, you know, began the season, some a lot of people thought it was still maybe a couple of years of kid development away from being a true contender. And then now you look at Man City, well, you know, they, they have maybe the most talent in the Premier League. They should be winning the title. Arsenal, you know, has, has been everybody's pick since City started stumbling that they're eventually going to win the title. This is going to be their year. Finally, you know, Leicester sitting at the top. But like we just say, when does the pressure start getting to them that, oh, my God, we're Leicester and we're leading the Premier League. And at the end of January and then with everything going on at United right now, I, I, I kind of think like Spurs are just kind of there, like, OK, yeah. We're just we're just gonna keep going out and playing football. And yeah, some people might tap us to win the league, but eh, we're just we're just gonna go out and play football. That's all. Like I kind of get that feeling from them right now.
1: Um, the one team I would be God, I say this. The one team I would be worried about below you as Spurs right now is actually Man United. And I say that with the caveat. That they replace Van Hall. Yes, um, I, I just I believe right now with Van Hall, who once again I believe should be given a lifetime contract. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with Van Hall, there's just too much going on around there. There's mm-hmm. just too much shit going on around that club with him right now. Agreed. They're they're not going to make a run under him. Um, if 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 he leaves though in the next couple of weeks. Oh man, it's going to be. Re- I mean, there are so so many rumors flying around mm-hmm. about what could happen with that the the now infamous Josie Mourinho letter that Josie says he didn't write, yeah. but apparently there's a copy of it out there. Yeah,
0: there's uh, uh Pep Pep met with uh, Manchester United, even <laughs> though they deny that.
1: Yeah, you know that they're denying. Like you said, they're denying Pep met with them. There have been other names bandied around. Now I've seen a a story saying Ryan Giggs, if he's not given the job on a a permanent basis, um, that he may leave with Van Hall. (laughs) Wow. Um, You know, and I mean, there's just so much around that. Um, But I just, I believe if they... If they can strike gold on the hire, which it's going to be a really tough hire at this point of the year, you know, to try to get the right guy in.
0: Well, and they can't get Pep because he's still at Bayern Munich to the end of the yeah. year. So it's.
1: Well, I, yeah, I, I believe what they'll probably end up doing <laughs> if they don't go to gigs will um will be almost do what Chelsea are doing and try to go get like the best free agent out there and just be like, look, just get us through the end of the season. Mm hmm. You know, someone they can go and trust. I'm going to throw this out here. I've not heard this at all. I've not seen it anywhere. But I almost don't know if we got to February and suddenly they let Van Hall go. I would not be completely shocked if Alex Ferguson came out and managed them for three months. Hmm.
0: I'm going to... I'm going to throw name out there.
1: I've not heard that. I've not seen that. No one has said that. That's just something that's come to my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's someone who's obviously extremely still connected with the club, right? So he would not want a full time run. But you bring in Alex Ferguson, that might be enough to push them into the top four. So then, you know, you have Champions League to offer, whatever manager you do decide to bring in.
0: I'll I'll throw out one more name out there, and it, it would be kind of risky. But it could yeah. have good repercussions in the future. Um, we talked about him last week. the uh, The former Chile manager Jorge Sempioli. I, I, I oh. hope I pronounced that right. That's um,
1: oh, well,
0: It's it's close <laughs> enough. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Um, if he came in, uh, you bring him in for a couple months. He he reportedly wanted a Premier League job. He you saw him do a job with Chile. He didn't leave because. You know he didn't do a good job. He left he left B- Chile because he wanted to go manage. It looks like a, an actual club team. Um, mm-hmm. He has ties to Alexis Sanchez. So if Man United wants to make a a bid for him over the summer, they could have that kind of card in their pocket to get him in there. Um, and, and he does have a winning track record um, going up against you know maybe teams with a little bit more talent, even when he's still talented. Because I mean I I don't think. You know, maybe Chile was the most uh, talented team at uh, Copa America this past year, but he won it. Now, granted, that was, I'm sure, also buoyed because of being in Chile. But, you know, he went up against some very talented teams and came out on top. And I think, I worry that Man United wouldn't do that because he is so unproven at the club level. But that's a name that if you were just going to throw one out there for two or three months uh, as part of almost a... um, an interview, so to speak, an on-the-job interview. That might not be a bad choice.
1: Well, um, to me, I think that's a really, really outside option. Um, <clears throat> but you know, my mind immediately turns toward you know Mourinho. But here's here's my thing. You know, you know what's been really, really quiet since Mourinho left Chelsea? Actual talk of Mourinho going somewhere else. Uh yeah. you know, it, it kind of seemed like, well, it'll be a slam dunk, you know, he'll go to United after Van Hall leaves. But you know, they're they don't seem to be in any hurry to lock him down.
0: Which is which is weird because <clears throat> you figured if they were gonna do it, they would have gone ahead and pounced.
1: Exactly. I mean almost ha- you know, now unless they have had secret talks with him and he's sitting there just waiting for them to hatchet Van Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, if he is, there seems to be a lot of chatter coming out of his camp, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but you know, now I'll tell you, there is a, uh, a personal rivalry between Guardiola and Marina. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. And, and then when you turn around and hear that, yeah, they're meeting with Guardiola, you know, to me, that's, that is doing nothing but maybe flaming the fires of Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I mean, it's it's extremely interesting and it's extremely uh, um, something to look forward to with what United are going to do because, I, I mean, it, it just it totally looks like there's going to be a domino effect around Europe coming up in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's why... Liverpool. Now, first of all, you know Liverpool. It was much earlier in the season. They obviously weren't going to go all the way to May with Brendan Rodgers. Right. Once everything was going south, but you know, Liverpool getting Jurgen Klopp, I think that's really put someone. I think that's really put United kind of not so uh, not in a panic, but you know, in kind of a heightened sense of urgency because. I really think, you know, stories that have emerged about Klopp talking to Alex Ferguson, I really think that teams like United, Arsenal, City, even maybe some of the Spanish clubs, I think they were really expecting Jurgen Klopp to be there Mm -hmm. when the summer came around. And that one of the big teams in the world were going to, you know, Liverpool are a big club, but, you know, one of those upper echelon Champions League teams, we're going to end up with Jurgen Klopp mm-hmm. and that was going to be a big piece in the domino and now suddenly he's he's gone he's off the market and you know I think now you've got some of these clubs and it looks like City and United probably both going to have new managers going into next year I would obviously be. Chelsea's going to have a new manager going into next year mm-hmm. um, I don't think is going anywhere at Arsenal But, you know, that's three of the major clubs in England. And I think one of them, I think they all felt confident one of them was going to end up with Klopp. Mm -hmm. And now that's just one more big fish off the market. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if United is thinking, shit, we've got to get a jump on City and Chelsea. Because, you know, if not, we might not get our first choice.
0: They might not even get their second choice. because if they want to Klopp and he's gone, if they don't get Guardiola... And he's gone, and if Mourinho then turns around and says, I saw you talking to Guardiola, I'm not coming there.
1: Which I could totally see Mourinho doing. Mourinho could be, he is such a petulant prick. Oh, absolutely. That he will feel like a jilted lover, even though you were never lovers. (laughs) Yes. It's like, we flirted, and then you flirted with her. Fuck you, eat shit and die. I will go coach. Chelsea again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Would it it shock anyone if just at the end of the season, they were just like, hey, Chelsea's coming back?
1: No, because I think we both said that that's what they should do anyway. Yes. Just give him basically a six-month sabbatical. Um, Turn around, you got to sell Hazard, who, by the way, they slapped an 80 million pound price tag on today. Yeah, I saw that. Sell Hazard, sell Costa, Sell um, Fabregas Mm -hmm. and just bring him back. Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. (laughs) Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me the other day.
0: Wouldn't shock anyone. All right. Um, Lastly, we will talk about uh, those two, two, a couple of those teams: Arsenal, Chelsea. That was the big match on Sunday. Um, Did what were your thoughts on the Mertesacker straight red, Wes?
1: I'm going to tell you a couple angles I saw. I don't even think he hit him.
0: There, there, there's a lot of people on the Twitter sphere that, that thought that you're, you're not alone in that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it didn't even look like he really made contact or if he did, it was extremely incidental. Um, you know, for a long time, obviously being a Liverpool fan, you know, Luis Suarez was always seen as like the King of, um, you know, the King of the dive. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to say he was not very good at it. Um, (laughs) But Costa just takes it to a whole nother level because, you know, while while Suarez was described as a combative player, mm-hmm. you know, Suarez was more annoying than anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Suarez would annoy you, but a lot of that was actually just how Suarez played because, you know, he ran around a lot. He moved a lot. He was, he was like a mosquito on everybody. Mm-hmm. Costa's like a fucking spider. <laughs> it's like, get the fuck away from me, dude. I hate you. I want to hit you with a shoe. You know, um, I mean, Costa... If Costa isn't the biggest asshole in England right now... Ooh, I don't know who is. It's it's only because John Terry's beaten him to it. <laughs> that was mean. Yeah. Love you, JT. But, I mean, this is a guy who... I us his combativeness almost spills over into violent combativeness. Mm-hmm. Combativeness. There we go. Um, and I, I just, I thought it was a, I thought it was a terrible dive personally. He might've clicked his heels, but I thought he really, really put on a show and I thought that was a really, really soft red card. Especially in that match, that early in that match.
0: Well, and I think the reason the official gave it was because of the our, our good old-fashioned acronym, the uh, the so. It was a denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, which, if Sacker doesn't almost barely graze him, um, Costa is through on goal against Czech. Okay. Now, I'm sure there are some of the more rational Arsenal fans, if they do exist, who would say, well you know, yeah, Sacker, you screwed up. We have maybe the second, third best goalkeeper in the Premier League this year who's been, after his first match for us, amazing. I'll take my chances, in the, in, and I believe even one of the commentators said, okay, worst case scenario, Costa scores, we're down one, but we still have 11 men, Olivier Giroud stays on the pitch, and Arsenal looked much more dangerous going forward the rest of the match, even with 10 men, than Chelsea did the last 70 or so of, of regulation. Mm-hmm. So I, I I just feel like it was still a dumb challenge, and Murder Sacker compounded it because as as was shown multiple times in the highlights he let Costa get behind him he never had to let Costa get behind mm-hmm. him on the uh, the Chelsea breakaway he he screwed up and then he compounded his mistake by by putting in the challenge and whether whether he did touch Costa or not which I believe he did maybe not much sure. maybe not nearly as much as Costa made it look like he did he 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 came in there and and he, he denied him an obvious what well, would have been an obvious goal scoring opportunity. I think it's the right call. Um I again, I also wouldn't have been upset had the referee given Costa a yellow for simulation at the same time, because there, there, there was no need for it. They it just no. Come on, get over yeah. yourself.
1: Um and then I don't know what in the name of God was going through the head of Arson Binger. When you pull off Olivier Giroud, <laughs> your top goal scorer yeah. in like the twentieth minute, that was just—I I, mean, yeah, could have. Uh, I think he could have
0: taken he, off Walcott and been fine for, and put in Gabrielle. I think that would have been fine.
1: Well, I mean, or the oh god, the other Chelsea guy from uh, Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, if you're gonna take a Striker off, I mean, take him off. Why the hell are you taking off Giroud? And then, of course, later in the match, you see uh, uh, freshly showered Giroux and Murtis yeah. on the finish. It's like, wow, these guys are really pissed off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, interesting move by uh, Wenger. And uh, once again, Chelsea has his number as uh, the, the Blues defeat the Woolwich Arsenal. And Arsenal, I'd say Arsenal are that team this year. That it always seems like they play late in the weekend, and you hear these words: "With a win, yeah. Arsenal can go top the table." And when you hear those words, they are inevitably going to either draw or lose.
0: Yeah, it's it's happened a couple times. They they have not spent very much time atop the table this year. I don't believe they've ever been uh, atop the table since maybe like the first couple weeks. Atop the table. Uh, by themselves, they, I know they've been a, they've been top a couple times on goal differential, but I don't think they've ever been clear on points um, since the first couple weeks. So yeah, um, that's that's uh, what's going on over there at Arsenal, and we, we're 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 taking absolutely no pleasure in their collapse, none at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we do have a little bit to talk about. We said there was no Premier League coming this week, uh, but there is midweek action. Because, yeah, Premier League midweek action is the best. So we'll get you your schedule right now. On Tuesday, February 2nd, you have eight afternoon matchups to do. What, are you are going to work? No, you're going to watch Premier League football. Uh, at 2.45, you have Arsenal-Southampton, Leicester-Liverpool, Norwich-Tottenham, Sunderland-Man City, and West Ham-Aston Villa. At 3 p.m., it's Crystal Palace-Bournemouth, Man United-Stoke. West Brom Swansea there's a lot of good matchups there and then on Wednesday uh, both at 245 Everton Newcastle and Watford Chelsea Watford Chelsea a classic mid-table clash um, and as we look at the table um, of the Barclays Premier League again Leicester is atop top with 47 points Man City in second with 44 Arsenal just behind them on goal differential Tottenham in fourth with 42 Man United currently in fifth with 37 West Ham in 6th with 36 points, and Liverpool in 7th with 34. Uh, At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Norwich, currently safe, uh, but just barely with 23 points. Newcastle are in 18th with 21. Sunderland in 19th with 19. And Aston Villa trying to climb out, trying to make the great escape, the greatest of escapes, a Leicester escape, no less. Uh, They have just... 13 points, 10 clear of safety. All right, Wes, uh, let us quickly go through uh, what happened in what well, we can. the only Capital One Cup Cup match we can talk about, and that is uh, the one that took place at Anfield today. We're again recording this. As on we a, know,
1: it, the most important of all the cups.
0: Of course it is. Uh, again, taking place on a Tuesday night, as we <clears throat> record on a Tuesday night this week. Uh, so we will not be able to talk Man City Everton's second leg Uh, which Everton is currently leading to one over Man City as they go back to the Etihad. Um, Liverpool, though, goes through on penalties against Stoke. Uh, Marko Arnautovic had a goal to level things on aggregate for Stoke uh, just at the break of stoppage time in the first half. Uh, They then played 45 minutes scoreless and then 30 minutes of extra time scoreless. Uh, Liverpool wins 6-5 on penalties. Uh, misses from uh, Liverpool by Emery Chan, uh, predictable miss from Stoke by Peter Crouch, and then uh, later on Mark Muneza, Muneza before uh, Welsh uh, Pirlo finished it off. Uh, little Joe Allen. Um, so Wes, um, maybe 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 a bit of a dodgy non non penal uh, non offsides called on Arnautovic's goal, um, but both clubs looked really good. Uh, both had some very good chances. Stoke actually had a chance to go off the post, um, which would have sealed it in regulation. Uh, but Liverpool do come out, and they will be going to Wembley on February 28th.
1: We're going to Wembley. Ah, it's so good to be back in what we like to call Anfield South. <laughs> oh, Wembley, Liverpool, of course, the most successful English team all time in the League Cup. Twelve times, the Reds have brought it home. Um,
0: you mean you mean eight?
1: I, uh, that's right, eight been there, twelve. Please excuse me. <laughs> um, the goal was absolutely offside. Um, if you would like, I can text you photographic evidence. I, right
0: no, now. I actually got to watch it today live.
1: If you watched. I, I do have the photographic evidence. Uh, definitely an offside. Uh, Blown call by the fourth official. And um, it almost cost Liverpool a chance to go to Wembley, but it didn't. Um, The much maligned Liverpool defense, they were resolute late. Um, They did just enough to hold off Stoke. Uh, You know, the last 10, 15 minutes of that match, actually Liverpool were very bright after... Well, I thought they were somewhat sluggish throughout a lot of the match. Um, but late on, they really turned up the heat. Just unable to get that final goal, that final touch, get a ball to go into the back of the net. You go to penalties. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you, penalties are actually, I mean, that was actually <laughs> maybe preferred by Liverpool because that is where Mignolet um, excels. Mm-hmm. Mignolet is known as a shot stopper. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about him patrolling for crosses or organizing his defense at that point. It's Mignolet versus the other guy. And, you know, I'm going to give him a lot of credit today. He he stops two of the six shots that he sees. Uh, of course, Liverpool end up winning it. Um, what was it? Six? Six-five. 6'5". So, maybe he stopped two of seven. I'm sorry. Um, and really, if you go back and look at it, on just about every shot, he went the right way. Mm-hmm. Didn't always get to it, obviously, but went the right way. Actually had one that he had a hand on, just couldn't keep it out. So, you know, he was really, really locked in um, during the penalty shootout. And, and at the end, he... He deserved it. I mean, Liverpool deserved it. I I thought, overall, I thought they were the better team today. Um, As we said, the offside on the goal that uh, Stoke did score, so it shouldn't have counted anyway. But Liverpool, they do get it done at the end. And uh, Ed, you know, he's being called the Welsh Pirlo. And that's a good thing because Italians are great at taking the penalties. (laughs) And little Joe gets it done. Shockingly, Ed, the only penalty miss for Liverpool... Came from their German. Yeah. Off the post. Germans Germans are usually, you know, dead on when it comes to the penalties. Uh, but the Englishman, you know, Lalana, uh, Mulna, um Who else? That might have been Bentecke took been, one. Yeah, ben teke took and hit. Fermino. Uh Firmino hit one. Um Yeah, uh, as we said, Alan is—he's a Welshman, Um, so the Englishman stepping up and hitting it, and the German missing was a little ironic. Yeah, a little uh,
0: little more Celia Sausage and a little less Thomas Mueller.
1: Oh, you want to be male Germans, not the ladies. Um, But at the end of the day, Liverpool get it done. They're heading back to Wembley, and um, you know, while some people say, "Oh, it's just the—it's just the League Cup." you know what, when things have been as bad as they've been in the eyes of Liverpool fans, you know, what What was one of the biggest marks against Brendan Rodgers? You know, he never won a trophy. He mm-hmm. was the first Liverpool manager to not win a trophy in his first three seasons in charge. And, uh, and here, you know, Klopp can go ahead and potentially get that monkey off of his back very quickly and there not be any... Uh, any question to can uh, can plot come in and win a trophy
0: that's true um so like we said we will uh, mention uh man city everton how that one shakes out next week on the pod uh and preview a little bit of the match again on february 28th at wembley uh it will be either man city or everton versus liverpool uh quick preview on the fa cup again there there are some quality matches uh, to come here uh, notably again liverpool will be playing west ham on saturday as well as crystal palace stoke so both those teams having to get right back into it on saturday in the fa cup um also uh, for me colchester will be hosting tottenham and then on friday could Louis Van Hall be gone by the weekend? Well, if they lose at Derby County, he might be. Again, that is a match on Friday afternoon. I believe 255 is the start over in Derby. So we'll see if he still has a job after that. Uh, on Sunday, Everton travels to Carlisle United and Chelsea goes to MK Dons.
1: You know what I find interesting? What's that? Um, when they talk about the team, they call it Derby County. Mm-hmm. But when they mention it as a matchup between two local teams, it's derby. Yeah, it's weird. The English are very weird. Yes, the English language is a, a strange language.
0: It's a fickle mistress. Um, so, as again, we, we are going to now jump into, because we didn't have time last week, we're making time for it this week. Even if this is the yes. only thing in News & Notes we talk about. Yes. Oh, I, I just I did a little tap dance and I just I was so happy, you know. This this year has been going so well for someone who hates Real Madrid. Um, first uh, they've been embarrassed a couple times. Uh, Benitez gets the sack, and uh, they got kicked out of the uh, their the Copa del Rey because they put on a, a player who who shouldn't have been on who had been suspended because of yellows, and now they're getting a, a transfer ban from FIFA. To join, to join their partners in Barcelona. Also, it should be noted, Atletico Madrid also looks like they are going to be receiving a year-long transfer ban. I was going
1: to say, you've like completely glossed <laughs> over the whole fact that Atletico is getting this as well. Because I think Atletico
0: is fine. Atletico is fine. They're also obviously, paying a lot
1: less. Obviously,
0: they're cheating too, so... <laughs> Everybody cheats. Barcelona. Have, why do you think they're all at the top of the La Liga table? Everybody cheats, Wes. You know that. Oh. That's what we say about Carolina. Um, but Real Madrid has, has come through. They, they, of course, said that the sanctions are, quote, absolutely inappropriate and untrue. Um, they, they also did have to pay a, uh, a significant fine for this. But then, as we went through last week, the, the story just kept getting a little... More petulant from Real Madrid, which is again why I'm enjoying this so much, uh, because Jose Angel Sanchez uh, claimed that FIFA has quote opened files on many European clubs and that they have uh, begun proceedings to uh, <laughs> to get English teams on transfer irregularities. Uh, the general manager said in uh, the uh, on the cadena ser uh, a couple weeks ago, also saying quote. I understand they have opened files on many European clubs. The first was Barcelona, but there are many more. I know they have initiated disciplinary proceedings against English teams, but I imagine FIFA's limited resources and, therefore, cannot do all at once. I get the feeling that over the coming years there will be one case after another. Oh, it's just, it's just amazing. And then, and then this last story, which just, it's just the icing on the cake. They're, they're now saying, talks out of Real Madrid, that they believe that the whole reason FIFA came after them is because Bayern Munich tipped them off. That somehow Bayern Munich was the one that provided the tip to for all of the Spanish clubs to get busted um, out of this uh, article. It says uh, that Madrid have begun to filter out information to journalists close to the club claiming that the black hand working against them has a name and a surname and a bid to take the responsibility for their errors committed away for themselves. Because if there's one thing Real Madrid and Cristiano Ronaldo are really good at Wes, is shifting the blame to someone else. It's never their fault. Ever.
1: It's the Germans fault. Oh, how dare the Germans (laughs) not sit back and just let us do what we want.
0: Seriously. Ugh.
1: Um, <clears throat> I mean, as you say, you know, Madrid have been extremely proactive, proactive, excuse me, trying to get out in front of this story and kind of, uh, you know, turn it to whatever they want it to say. Yeah. The one thing they haven't really done is say, well, uh, we're innocent.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what that, that that's why the that second quote from the general manager is so weird you can't just sit there and say oh we're innocent oh but we've also heard that like there's like a dozen english clubs that are also gonna get busted so you know
1: what I else? Mean, I mean, this is it's like a kid who you know um let's just say hey let's just say that um we're supposed to be home when the sun goes down and we show up 30 minutes later and it's dark outside and your mom gets pissed off at you where have you been i told you Bill. Well, but you know edward didn't Edward didn't have to be home, and you know uh, Clinton didn't have to be home, and you know Lee, well, Lee does Lee Lee didn't have to be home. Why do I have to be home? Uh, I mean I, I wasn't late.
0: No, I actually have a better example. This All is right. the kid who is like a group of kids who cheats on a test in school, gets caught, then denies it, and then says, well, well, all my friends got caught cheating too, but so so there's that, but I, I still didn't do it. It wasn't me. They they got they they're going to get busted. Don't worry, mom. Billy and Toby and and Jonathan, they're all going to get busted because because we were all cheating, but I didn't cheat. It wasn't me.
1: It wasn't me. But all my friends got in trouble for it. So, I mean, if they're in trouble, you know, I mean, I didn't do just I didn't do quite as bad.
0: Yeah, it was. I I didn't I
1: didn't cheat as hard, sorry. So I mean, it does, it does smack of desperation. Now, of course, what is, what I believe is most likely going to happen is this is going to kind of turn turn out like Barcelona's. I believe you know both Atlético and Real are going to file their appeals, and uh, and just see if they can get through this summer. Before the ban kicks into place. Mm -hmm. Um, In which that would mean, you know, they couldn't, they wouldn't be able to work in the 20, let's say the 2017 January market. And then they would be like Barcelona with the 2017 summer market, where they would probably still, quote, sign some players, but, quote, not register the players. Right. Much like Barcelona's done this year. And now don't get me wrong, it, it did have, it has had some more long-term adverse effects on Barcelona, but the fact that I mean they were already stocked up with, uh, you know, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, meant not a lot was going to change and not a lot was going to hurt them. And and you know Barcelona successfully appealed the first time, didn't appeal to get it taken off, but at least to get it postponed mm-hmm. um, during the appeal process, and they were able to go out and get some reinforcements the summer before their band kicked in and obviously it worked out because they won how many four trophies
0: yeah at least
1: uh, yeah so I mean it, it worked out okay for them and I think Re- Real and Atletico probably end up in the same uh, in the same boat as that
0: i I kind of disagree. I, I think that the, because of the timing of this, I think that even if 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 Real and Atletico do do try to appeal, I think that FIFA will do it in time enough, and that's why they've gone ahead and announced it, so that if they do appeal and they lose, they're going to get that ban upheld for the summer. And for a team, as far as Real goes, who looks like they're kind of wanting to clean house a little bit, this is going to throw a huge monkey wrench in their plans. I mean, David Haya's is not going to be coming then during the summer. Uh, you're not getting rid of Karim Benzema. You know, they, there's been talk of them being unhappy about Hames. That we, we've got we've heard all the talk about Gareth Bale. You know, and, and even some talk about Ronaldo. So I think I I think Real might actually be in a little bit of trouble.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> I've just uh, I've just got a feeling that the way the way FIFA works. I think they do understand as well that Real, especially, is like one of their major cash cows. That's true, and um, you know, someone like that, you kind of, you can still kind of grease the tracks without making it look too obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just, I, I've, I've got a feeling they still get this summer to work, in which case it's going to be a feverish summer at Real, where they're going to do a whole lot of movement. Um, I mean, including bringing in probably Ali and Harry Kane, um, and making Pochettino the reserve coach. But... <laughs> hey, they were they
0: were in Barcelona this weekend, or this there week.
1: You there you go. Um, but I just I do believe they will get the summer. But we'll just have to see how it works out. All right.
0: Um, real quick, uh, somewhat related in La Liga news: uh, Javier Mascherano may be going to prison. Uh, after being given a one-year sentence uh, for tax evasion. It's really big in Spain with uh, players, apparently, this whole tax evasion thing. Uh, He's also been fined 815,000 euros. Um, There's a very good chance that Moncerano actually will not go to jail but that no. is his is sentencing as of now. Um, Wes, another kind of big story to come out this week out of the uh, U.S. women's national team uh, after they, I, I believe, defeated Ireland earlier this week, thanks to uh, another Carly Lloyd hat trick, um, was, was some news from one of their players. And that is that uh, Sidney LaRue Dwyer will be having a baby um and she she will be unfortunately missing the uh the Olympics uh for the women's national team and will be missing all of the uh the women's professional soccer league season now the the reason i am mainly bringing this up is cuz th- there's something with you know with women's sports that's never going to really come up with men's sports not nearly <laughs> to the extent <laughs> at least <laughs> um and that is you know Sydney LaRue just uh, you know a couple Months ago, she was playing with uh, Seattle Reign. She wanted to to be traded to FC Kansas City so she'd be closer to her husband, Dom Dwyer, who plays for the Kansas City MLS team, of Sporting Kansas City. Instead, the Seattle Reign, for some reason, traded her to Western New York. Uh, and then after this season, they finally now traded her to uh, FC Kansas City in the Women's League. My question is, though, now, Wes, you, you've just traded for this athlete, and, and now you realize she's going to pretty much miss your entire season because of the pregnancy, and that's something that's, you know, I think this, there's not really a whole lot to say about it, and, I, and I'm and like, oh, God, should she play, should she not play, you know, I just think it's one of those weird things in, in sports, in female sports, when, you know, I, I, it it's just weird to me like i i don't want to say it's almost like like fc kansas city should have done their due diligence and seen if she was pregnant or not before trading for her but i just i wonder how i wonder personally and i would love to actually hear a person on this talk about it uh like how do clubs deal with that how do clubs cuz sydney larue was going to be the face of fc kansas city i mean she's one of the most popular u.s women's national team players she's very outspoken very popular on social media to, to bring in someone like that and then realize you're not going to be able to have her on your team for an entire season I, I gotta imagine that's that's kind of hard to hear as an organization i mean obviously they're going to support her but that's i feel like that's a very weird tightrope that women's league teams and organizations have to walk
1: and as you said, it. I mean, it is something that, you know, we don't have to worry about in men's sports.
0: People will still go after Mark Teixeira for missing games uh, to, to see the birth of his child. But beyond that, no.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that, that, there's a thing. If that does happen, it might be a game. Yeah. It might be a week. Right. It's not a season. Um, you know, this is something, you know, we've seen before in, uh, in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of their top players have missed seasons due to having children, and then they come back and, you know, you always get the obligatory story of, oh, you know, they bring junior to practice every day and da-da-da, who cares, it's the WNBA. Um, I think in women's, in major women's soccer, I think this is the first, I mean, obviously this has happened before. I mean, um, oh, who was the, one of the starting midfielders, for the women's team, has like four or five kids. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I I remember seeing in the player introductions, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it happens. But it's just, you know, a a really high-profile striker, a score in Sidney LaRue, um, and and it happening. and, And I think there being some circumstance around it. I think that also had something to do with it. As you said, the wanting out, being traded, you know, I just, as a team, I don't know... You know, you say do your due diligence. I mean, what well, you want to? Hey, how often are you in your? Well, right.
0: no, that's that's what I'm saying. You there's nothing really you can do. This is not like so, Radamel Falcao. How's no. that leg ligament doing?
1: Exactly. It's not like you're trying to hide an injury or something. I mean, this is a perfectly natural thing. It happens. Um, it's 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 more just, just it's an awkward
0: situation for a club who who just traded for someone that they <laughs> want to be the face of their franchise.
1: And oops, not this year. Exactly. And it's not like they're like, well, okay, it happened. So we're going to give you an extra pick. No, I mean, none of that happens. It's just, well, you don't have her for a year. Um, And then, I mean, the one thing, another thing you have to, I guess, think and worry about with, with the mothers. And I, I have no evidence of this. I don't know. Once again, I know in the WMEA it's happened a few times, but I mean, how is she going to come back as a player? Um, you know, pregnancy, it's not like, you know, it's not like blowing out your knee or your shoulder or something. We Mm -hmm. understand that. I mean, it should be something you can come back from very easily, uh, with, you know, just a lot of hard work. But, you know, that's another thing is, you know, suddenly am I getting the same player that I traded for?
0: and that that is a question and I, I obviously Sydney LaRue has only gotten to this point in her life as an athlete because of her immense dedication um so I I would expect her and I think you would as well to to make every effort to come back even better than before the pregnancy but it, it, it is that question of you know after the pregnancy you know if if let's say you know she she's just finding out now so it's probably she's probably at least seven eight months away from delivering um and so you think she's probably at least another four or five of getting back into like game shape um and that's just you know through conditioning through you know back to strength training and then you know back to actual soccer um so that's that's going to be tough and um and it will be interesting to see how she comes back i think she's going to come back fine but i do think that that is that is one thing to keep an eye out and again that is not to put it lightly, but that is an added wrinkle into to when you have to cover women's sports. It is that things like this happen. <laughs> so yeah,
1: with me, with me, you're like, oh, you're having a baby. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, I'm, I hope I don't have to practice with the kids born with women. It's like, oh, you're having a baby. So, I guess we'll see you next year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so just everything with the timing and everything just, may, I think, makes for a very interesting story considering she just got traded, I think, two days ago to the, to FC Kansas City. So, anyway, they'll, they'll have a really good player in 2017. Um, so, Sydney, mm-hmm. to you, congrats. Thank you for the 2015 World Cup. And uh, we'll look to see you back, I guess, since if you're going to miss Rio Uh, 2019 World
1: Cup? And, and of course, just make sure that this kid is a full-on American.
0: Oh, yes. Nothing we would expect less from Dom Dwyer and Sidney LaRue Dwyer. (sighs) All right, Wes, our last soccer story of the day uh, is taking us to Euro 2016 and a report that they will be using goal line technology, which is a story to me because... I kind of already thought they were using goal line technology.
1: Silly Remember that, was, that was FIFA. This is UEFA. Yeah, thanks
0: UEFA. Um, so they will be using uh, goal line technology at uh, Euro 2016 as well as in the uh, in the Champions League starting next season. Of course, I I do love that the uh, the example they give in this article of why would you need goal line technology. Well here's this Frank Lampard goal for England against Germany at the twenty ten oh, World Cup, which was incorrectly disallowed. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, it's brutal. It hurts so bad. Uh,
0: Well now we know it can't it happen bad.
1: this year. Yeah, it can't it couldn't possibly happen in England, could it?
0: No. I'm sure I'm sure the goal line technology won't mysteriously malfunction in the, in the England match.
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. The conspiracy theory starts. They hate us. We know they hate us. It's going to be in France. This is all going bad. Oh. It's all going bad.
0: Oh, we're still like four months away, and it's, all, it's already ended. It's already over.
1: So we've already blown it.
0: All right, Wes. Uh, our dumb NFL story of the week. We already did the Vince Young thing, uh, but this is a little different. Um, apparently... Some people are finding it a little more difficult to get Super Bowl tickets because apparently that is a thing that is happening in a week and a half. I'm not watching. Um, yeah,
1: I think I am I, I may uh, I may go boycott on it. You know, uh, the only thing that would draw me would be the fact that it's probably Peyton Manning's last game. But you know, at the same time.
0: Yes. Um, Some people who will not be in attendance, at least uh, through tickets from the NFL, are Rachel Nichols, formerly of ESPN, then formerly of CNN, now back at ESPN. Um, She will not be getting tickets from the league, nor will Will Smith, uh, star of many movies, including one that came out near the end of 2015, Concussion, the movie about the NFL concussion issue. So neither one of them have gotten tickets. Um, uh, of course, uh, Rachel Nichols has been very outspoken. Of the commissioner, has asked him a lot of tough questions in a lot of press conferences, including, you know, especially when the uh, the whole Ray Rice controversy was going on. So, uh,
1: how how petulant
0: is this, Wes?
1: It's the NFL, so it's extremely petulant. There you go. Um, that said, I mean, as for Will Smith. I mean, why exactly does the NFL need to give Will Smith tickets of the Super Bowl? Eh. Eh. I, I'm, not, I mean, I'm
0: not crying a river over Will Smith. I mean, he can afford no, tickets.
1: No. Well, I mean, no. When you say they're not giving Rachel Nichols tickets, OK, well, I mean, wouldn't Rachel Nichols be going to cover anyway? Are they not going to credential her?
0: Well, here's, here's the quote from Rachel Nichols in a QA and a with the Chicago Tribune. Okay. Uh, she says, because uh, the question was, has Roger Cadell called to congratulate you? Uh, she said, I have not gotten anything in the mail or any phone calls. I actually recently did an interview with Will Smith before he was promoting the movie Concussion, and he was saying he was dismayed that his offer of two Super Bowl tickets had not come through this year. And I pointed out to him that I hadn't gotten that either. I don't think I will be at that particular press conference this year. Does that mean I will never be at a press conference for the NFL or Roger or the owners mean again it does not so i'm taking that to mean that she's not getting credentialed at least for the press conferences maybe
1: for the game i, I mean i just I, I, oh i just don't know how you do that because you you said it it's the nfl i mean that oh wow
0: because because almost I a mean, hundred million people will watch your two championship games on the weekend, and they don't care.
1: Jesus, I mean, just I, I just don't understand. I mean the 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 absolute petulance of that, the pettiness of that. That, you know, someone who is a respected journalist in this country has done fantastic work on the NFL for years. And suddenly, uh, we're not going to credential you because you asked us hard questions. <laughs> you know, it's just, well. I mean, Will Smith, now, personally to me, that quote from Will Smith sounds very tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, well, I'm um, I'm a little surprised my two uh, tickets haven't come this year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like that's like me, that's like me and you getting on our show on Sunday and saying, you know, I was really surprised that the Carolina Panthers didn't invite us to come and uh, talk to Cam Newton. It's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Know, considering how much we just love Cam Newton, um, so uh, to me, that's a little more tongue in cheek. Uh, if if Rachel Nichols is not being credentialed. That um that that says a lot to me.
0: and it would not be the first time Rachel Nichols did not get credentialed. Uh, she was also uh, reportedly banned from uh, one of Floyd Mayweather's fights after being very critical of him and that she was not able to get credentialed for that fight. Um, so <laughs> how
1: dare she to <laughs> ask him about beating women?
0: Yeah, you know because I mean, really,
1: how, how dare these people have to answer for their crimes?
0: <sighs> you would think. Ah, <sighs> oh.
1: whatever, Ed. Ed, have uh, have we gotten our Super Bowl credentials yet? No. Being being, being that we are from a television station that is uh, at least partially funded by Panther money. hmm That's true. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. I don't see why we couldn't go. Where is it at? San Francisco.
0: Yes, actually, yeah, because yeah. that the uh, the new 49ers stadium.
1: Beautiful city, if you've never been. Beautiful city. Um. That said, uh, I'm not really trying to go to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't mm. mind going to, you know, and I wouldn't mind going to Super Bowl Media Day and be one of those people. Yes, because we could ask so many soccer questions. Oh my God! Yes, just to be dicks.
0: Yes, we we will totally affect a fake British accent. Oh, my and God. when I say a fake British accent, I mean we will affect an obviously fake, terrible possibly I cockney love,
1: governor <laughs> yeah, there you go. that's it oh it'd be magical that would that would be my only reason for wanting to go to uh media or wanting to go to the super bowl is just to go to media day and ask uh ask questions completely non-football related the uh, the I'll other ask cam newton cam have you received any nice bags lately oh oh no
0: Uh, Well, uh, the ironic thing is this is almost a year to the day that uh, the LA Times ran an article uh, and is kind of linked to this now with the headline titled Roger Goodell blasted for, quote, belittling CNN's Rachel Nichols. And, of course, this was in a, uh, a press conference about the, uh, the, the investigation into the uh, whole Deflategate scandal with the Patriots and her asking tough questions about that and it not going over very well either. So, needless to say, not, uh, not each other's favorite person, but still, come on, that's, that's terrible. That's absolutely awful. If she's not getting credentialed,
1: we got you back, Rachel. Rachel, if you need a job, call us. That's good. We didn't. We didn't hear back from the last girl that we stood up for. Jerk.
0: Mm. So, Who was uh, the last girl we stood up for?
1: I don't know. She was hot, wasn't she? she no, I'm not. Unless she is.
0: Anyway, uh, let's let's get slightly more serious uh, with our other big story of the week. Um, as if that wasn't big enough, the mighty NFL. Well, let's head down down to Tallahassee, Florida, where
1: we <laughs> where they call the Junior NFL.
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, Florida State has uh, finally settled their Title IX lawsuit uh, with. Uh, Erica Kinsman, who had accused uh, former Seminoles quarterback, current Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Jameis Winston of sexually assaulting her in December 2012, uh, the school will pay out almost a million dollars, $950,000, uh, 250000 it looks like will go to Kinsman, 700000 will be going to her attorney's. It's almost like student loans; these interest rates. Um, the Florida State is also uh, having to, to go through a five-year commitment. Five years, very, very important. To sexual assault awareness prevention and training programs. Uh, according to this article on ESPN, the school agreed to publish annual reports on these programs. Um, we, we've, Wes, we've been through this story numerous times, um, and how it seemed like the Tallahassee Police Department that school uh, community of Florida State kind of failed this young woman whether whether she was drunk or not even which you know she has said she was um, she still uh, maintains that um, even though she had uh, you know Winston says they had consensual sex jeez I can't talk right now consensual sex uh, Ms. Kinsman says that they did not and that he raped her we, we've been through this story a lot at the end of the day, Wes, I just I don't, I don't see this being a very big deal. Um, I don't think the money really probably matters that much to her. Uh, in fact, uh, one of her uh, quotes when she left in a statement said, uh, "I'll always be disappointed that I had to leave the school I dreamed of attending since I was little. I am happy that FSU is committed to continuing making changes in order to ensure a safer environment for all students." Honestly, I just part of me wonders how. I hate to say this. I wonder how seriously Florida State is really going to take this because they have they they've had such a bad issue with this kind of thing for so long. I mean, back, back when it was almost, you know, the white-collar crime that earned them the name Free Shoe You. You know, this this kind of uh, of intolerable behavior has been going on at this university for a long time now. I I just I, I'm not satisfied. I, I, I can say that. I'm not satisfied. I'm very much not satisfied with the lawyers looking to get 70% of her settlement either. I'm sure that's the way it is, but I'm not satisfied with that. Um, I, I just I, – I don't know what's going to change. I And I really – yeah, they're going to do these reports, and that's great. I don't believe anything will actually change. I mean when, when you when you are a quarterback at a school and you are accused of rape – And you can still stand on uh, tables and chairs in in an open-air cafeteria and scream out, fuck her in the pussy, and and nothing happens. What?
1: What? And then you're you're still a celebrated alumnus as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, at least give Southern California, you know, give USC some credit. You know, Reggie Bush turned out to be crooked. And what do USC do? They distance themselves from Reggie Bush. Oh, they, they ghosted him. Simpson, O.J. Simpson allegedly killed some people. What did they do? They said, hey, O.J., maybe don't come around here no more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe don't don't send us money. Oh, no, no, Florida State. Oh, well, you know, boys will be boys, but that's our boy. Yeah, I- you know, um, oh Jesus! And, and here's my thing. You know, I know you kind of say, you know, the money's not that big a deal. Well, I want to know where's this near million dollars that Florida State's paying? Where's that money coming from?
0: I can tell you. Uh, the university's <laughs> defense fees, according to this again, according to the ESPN.com uh-huh. article, the university's defense fees totaled 1.7 million dollars, of which Seminole Boosters Incorporated. Yes, Seminole Boosters Incorporated paid one point two eight million as part of the supplemental funding the organization provides to Florida State, according to a letter to the group obtained by ESPN's Darren Revell. The letter sent to Seminole Boosters by group chairman David Rancourt also noted that the nine hundred and fifty thousand dollar settlement was paid by the state of Florida's risk management fund. That means the total you cost go. that means that total cost of to the suit to the university and the state was more than two point six million dollars.
1: Well, and there's the thing, the State of Florida Risk Management Fund, that's called tax money. Yep. So you're saying that I, as a Florida taxpayer, which I am not, by the way, yes. Um, you're saying that I was the one who who is having to pay off this nineteen, twenty year old idiot. Mm -hmm. I'm having to pay off the girl that he raped. State college. Oh man, you gotta love it. And they will fill that football stadium, and when it's time, they will retire his number. And, and I mean, basically, Jameis Winston will be treated as royalty in Florida State for the rest of his days. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He he is treated as royalty. Um, one well, of the one of her it's... tournament
0: uh, one of her attorneys, sorry, uh, Klune, uh, said the settlement helped accomplish Kinsman's two goals and find the lawsuit. Number one, she wanted to hold FSU accountable, and it has happened both publicly and financially. Well, I maybe the second one. There's a lot of people who still publicly don't think anything happened. And the other is to have an impact on FSU's campus and make it a safer place for female students, and which I call bullshit.
1: Those people who don't believe it happened. They're called fans in the stands. Yeah, I, who just don't want to believe that it happened, because then they can't win the argument with their Florida Gator buddy. hmm So I mean, you know, it's of course you know like Florida really has anything to say, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: Oof. But I mean, at the end of the day, here we go. I mean, it's it's the hero worship, and and we folks, here's our deal. We don't like the NFL. Ed and I don't like the NFL. No, God, no. We love college football.
0: I don't know if I love college football.
1: I like college okay. football. I, I'll, I, I'll I, give, I know I, you love it. I like college football. College football but, I mean, this is one of those that, you know. But I, I'm also, I'm one of these people who, I, I, take it, I take it all with a grain of salt. And one of the big reasons is because I know a lot of guys, personally, who played college football. Mm -hmm. Some of them are fantastic human beings who are going to be great citizens and future leaders of the world for years to come. And some of them still can't read. That's
0: not encouraging.
1: So therefore, you know, I I gave up my hero worship of college football players many years ago just because also I understand that, you know, I mean, you know, all, all these guys, it's not like they're all goody-two-shoes, you know, Johnny All-American quarterback. You know, I mean, they they like to go out. They like to have fun. Not all of them. You know, there are the Tebow's of the world who live the virtuous life that we would love to hear all of our players live. But, I mean, these are they're, – they're kids. They're guys. They're dudes. It's just – it's who they are. So, you know, I mean, the, the fact that – The fact that there is a a group of people out there who will take their fandom to such an extreme as to say, Jameis would never do anything like that. He's our quarterback. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, and it's not. It's not
0: even that. It's that. And and let's not pretend that this hasn't. Things like this haven't happened at other institutions across the country. But it seems like there's a reoccurring pattern at Florida State, that this, this kind of bad behavior
1: is almost tolerated to an extent. And I just, I, I don't get it. Well, and earlier you said, you know, the, the epic um, Steve Spurrier line of free shoe you." Mm-hmm. Don't forget, Steve Spurrier also called them felony state, which yeah. is probably a little more, yeah, that's a little more <laughs> uh, on par with it. You know, the shoes, that was a one-time deal. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about you talk about um, you know playing some criminals out there. And yes, I'm a Miami fan, but get off my ass. Um, you know the uh, the old uh, there's an old joke that said, uh, you know, what do you call eleven guys um, on the field at Doak Campbell in a huddle? You call them a drug ring.
0: Oh, man.
1: so I mean. There, there's definitely a history of it. And I mean, this is a history that goes back, you know, to the 80s, obviously the 90s. Bobby Bowden, who is, you know, a deity to some Southern football fans. I like Bobby Bowden to an extent. Bobby Bowden was this guy who preached this message of, you know, oh, you know, we don't tolerate this mess. You know, we're, we're good, upstanding, Christian young men and then he ran one of the dirtiest programs in the country. (laughs) Yep. You know, so I Florida state, they kind of have a history of talking out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to the football program. And you know, something like this, it just completely shows that, well, whatever. At the end of the day, if you're fucking good enough to play, we'll take care of you. And that's exactly what they've done. And maybe that's, that's one of the problems in these, uh, so called these college towns, which I guess Tallahassee is sort of a college town. Yeah, you're
0: not wrong. I, I, I would agree with that. So we, we finally have a little bit of closure to this uh, a story that we've been keeping up with for a couple years now. And um, hopefully, you know, Miss Kinsman can can lead somewhat of a normal life um, after what has transpired with her. So we move on. Uh, Wes, let's hit the Watch 4. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be?
1: Uh, actually, I have not watched my Watch 4 yet. I actually um, DVR'd it tonight mm. as we're on the show. But uh, MLB Network, who comes out with some really cool little documentaries every now and then, they've done it again. They have one called The Colorful Montreal Expos. And it takes a look at the history of the Montreal Expos with a lot of old footage uh, a lot of behind the scenes footage a lot of like home movies stuff like that that they that has been restored and put in um the previews for it looked looked really fun so i was like man i gotta get this you know never an expos fan but hey it's the expos so that was to say it's it's the expos
0: can i can i tell a fun little anecdote about that absolutely because I, I happened to read an article about it before we came on air, and I, and I saw that this documentary was going to be played. Um, here's, a, here's a fun fact for you. Uh, nobody in Montreal, nay all of Quebec, can actually watch the documentary because none of the cable providers in that region have the MLB network.
1: What's your song called? Oh, Canada. <laughs>
0: Whoops. Sorry. But I'm sure they can watch it. It'll be on DVD or torrents or something. Uh, But I did hear it was very good. So I I, I will be anxious to hear what you think of it. Um, I am watching... uh, I haven't watched it yet because it's coming back on Friday Grim. after their uh, somewhat winter hiatus. uh, Coming back this Friday night. So very interested to see where that that whole plot line for Season 5 is going to go. Caught up on... Uh, season two of Marvel's Agent Carter uh, as of tonight's episode. I have not watched tonight's episode yet, uh, but I have watched the uh, the first two from last week and uh, very, very good. Uh, the change to California I think from New York is gonna do gonna do a lot of good for this show and I'm and it just it's another opportunity to see Haley Atwell on TV who is gorgeous and a phenomenal actress so that's that's very amazing for me. And um, yeah that that's about what I'm doing right now. And uh, of course my, my my guilty pleasure is Assassination Classroom and that is that is still going strong and, and it's just always always a joyful slice of life little anime that I watch. It's it's very good. It's on Hulu now. You can try it. It's great. Alright, Wes, no more no more no more dancing around this. We we have a pay-per-view to get to. It's the Royal Rumble. And it's so, so, so raw.
1: I like how you said no more dancing around this. I knew I knew you watched that New Day video I sent you <laughs> Oh, I did. <clears throat> oh man, what a so raw we have for you this week, folks. The Royal Rumble took place on Sunday. I thought it was I thought it was a good pay-per-view. Um the, uh, the match of the night, other than the rumble match, of course, the match of the night, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, in their last man standing match um, finally ended. Neither one of them could put down the other. Finally, Ambrose throws Owens off the top rope to the outside through two tables. And that finally keeps him down. Um, great match. Open the show. Really good one to get the people going, get them into it. Um... Well, we have uh, New Day retain their tag team titles against the Usos. Solid match. Um, the women's match I thought was really good. Charlotte and uh, Becky Lynch. Ooh. Um, Charlotte ends up retaining. Um, you know, she's a bad guy, so she had to cheat a little bit. <laughs> um, as the match ends, Sasha Banks comes out, <clears throat> uh, who we haven't seen in a while. You know, the crowd's popping, going crazy. Uh, Sasha kind of attacks a fallen Becky Lynch, knocks her out of the ring. Crowd, oh, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? And as Charlotte thinks that she's getting off scot-free, starts to exit the ring. Sasha grabs her, puts her in the bank statement, which is her uh, her finishing move, a submission move that looks... Quite extremely painful, actually. <laughs> Locked during that for a good 30 seconds. Crowd's going crazy. Everybody's popping. So it looks like uh, we're getting the um, kind of much, much, much height uh, Sasha Banks Charlotte program coming to WWE. Of course, they did this program in, um, in NXT, and it was absolutely fantastic. So definitely looking forward to seeing what comes from that. As we get on to the Royal Rumble match, as we know, Roman Reigns was opening the match at number one. Uh, Rusev came out as the number two man to start the match with him. Um, They were the final two participants in last year's Rumble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of gave it a hot start. Reigns ends up throwing Rusev out within about 90 seconds of the match starting, which was a little, eh, okay, whatever. But, Ed, that set up what was really the pop of the night in Orlando uh, as the number three entrant came out, and Ed, when the music heard, everyone was like, "Wait, who is this? Who is this?" No one knew the music, but Ed. Then the words "I am phenomenal" came up on the jumbotron, and the place popped because they knew it was the debut of the phenomenal A. J. Styles. <laughs> Former IWGP champion, former multiple-time TNA world champion, a member of the vaunted Bullet Club, friends with Sex Ferguson. Even though he won't actually admit to being friends with Sex Ferguson, Sex Ferguson does claim to be friends with AJ Styles. Um, Styles makes his debut. um, Comes out puts on a really good performance in the Rumble. You know, the Rumble's one of those matches where... You're lucky if you get some time kind of to be able to show off solo. He did. He had two good minutes of Roman Reigns. Um, lasted lasted over 30 minutes in the match before eventually being thrown out by Kevin Owens. And what a lot of people were hoping is going to lead to a feud sometime soon. Owens and Styles will be fantastic. They're both indie darlings in their day. Um, but a lot of excitement for that because, you know, AJ Styles is a guy who... At this point, he's probably the biggest free agent who has never been in WWE. Um, And the thing is, there are fewer and fewer of those guys out there who are legitimate stars from other organizations who have never been in WWE. So, you know, he was, at this point, he was kind of the the biggest free agent who we'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. So, uh, very cool to see Styles. Uh, He did have a Raw match with Chris Jericho, his first singles match, which was... It was really good, but you could tell you give them some time to work together, it could be even better. Um, but Styles brings just kind of a whole different, um, a whole different kind of, no pun intended, style to the WWE uh, with the way he wrestles. It's much more reminiscent of a Seth Rollins, which is, is by the way, a Wes Bradshaw dream match no. when Seth Rollins does come back from injury. I, I, oh my God, I will. Probably have a boner for about three straight days leading up to Styles versus Rollins. So, I'll let you know. Don't you worry, friend.
0: Fantastic.
1: That will definitely be a recording the show early in the day for us. Um, as the Royal Rumble match goes on, one thing I noticed we didn't have kind of the little surprise entrances this year. Styles was a surprise entrant, but he was a legitimate one. You know, the Royal Rumble is usually littered with about four or five like legends who come out just to get a pop. Do a little spot, then they get thrown out, never to be worried about again. This year, they went, they went straight uh, one through twenty-nine, where guys you somewhat expected to see out there, um, and then number thirty, it's sweet number thirty. You hear, um, you hear Lemmy, you hear that crunching Motorhead guitar. You hear it's time to play the game, and you know from the uh, from the history of wrestling. But that means it is time for Triple H to come out and bury everyone. And bury, he did it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we had a final four at one point of Triple H, Sheamus, Reigns, and uh, Dean Ambrose. Um, Sheamus thrown out of the ring. I think everyone at that point was expecting, oh, it's just going to be Reigns and Triple H in the final. No, instead, Triple H throws out Reigns. And Ed, for a a good two minutes, I stood on my feet in front of my TV with my hands over my head going, oh, my God, they might put this bell on Dean Ambrose tonight. Oh, my God. Uh, It came close a few times. You know, Hey, this is the WWE. They know how to create drama. They know how to build you just to think you know what's going to happen. At the end of the day... uh, Triple H does throw Ambrose over the top rope. So Triple H, at age 46, I believe, uh, the, um, one of the chief operating officers of the WWE, is now also the now 14 time WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um, I I did not have a problem with it. I understand where we're going with this booking. Uh, As I had to talk to some people online Listen, if Seth Rollins doesn't get hurt, this match never happens. Right. There is no belt on the line in the Royal Rumble. You know, we're probably having Rollins versus Reigns or Rollins You know, we've got something. But Rollins being injured has really hurt a lot of things because also they're not getting the reaction they wanted to get from Roman Reigns being the champion. There are the nights where he gets the big pops. But I'm going to tell you, man, at the Rumble... Reigns was getting booed out of the building. That crowd did not want to see Reigns walk out of there with the title. Mm -hmm. Um, Reigns is just in such this position where crowds are so fickle with him. You know, some crowds completely accept him. Some crowds reject him. It all depends on what you get. And usually a crowd like a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania crowd, those crowds don't like Reigns because they're full of more kind of what I consider myself, we're called the smarks. We're smart marks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like we we understand what's going on, but, you know, a part of us still acts like it's real. Um, But those crowds hate rains. And that's why that's a really tough place to try to have Reigns walk out with the title because you're going to get a bad reaction. And of course, Vince McMahon wants a reaction where everybody's cheering Reigns to no end because he's the next John Cena. And you're not going to get that reaction out of that crowd. So Triple H ends up winning. It's a good moment. Um, The consensus is that we're going to get Triple H, Reigns at WrestleMania for the title. Um... If that happens, I don't have a problem with it. I just, I need a really good story as to why that's happening. And that's the thing with WWE. You can give me any of these matchups. If you just give me the story and make it a good story on the way there, cool. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, bring, get me on board. Find a way to get me on board with what you want to do. And I've got no problem with it. I think a lot of people are like that. <clears throat> uh, Raw on Monday night was a good Raw. Um, Highlights of the night for me, like I said, AJ Styles, uh, Chris Jericho, good match. You know, Jericho. Well, let's put it this way: AJ Styles is no spring chicken. I mean, the guy's thirty-eight and he's a rookie in WWE, but he's fought everywhere else. It seems like for the last fifteen years. So you know, it's not like Jericho, You know, Jericho's kind of come back to put over the young guys. It's not that Styles is a young guy, but being new and and a lot of hope for him to be good. Um, you need to put them with a good top, top flight performer on night one, just let them have a really good match. Let people see what AJ styles is capable of. I think they did that with Jericho as, um, styles did go over. Um, at the end of the night, the authority said they were going to announce the main event for fast lane. Our next pay-per-view coming up fast lane is kind of the, uh, jump straight into WrestleMania coming up. So, uh, At the end of the night, we end up getting our main event announced for that. It's going to be a triple threat match. It's going to be Reigns versus Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar. Which, I mean, that's that's a good, that's a fine match. I just, you know, to me, it's a little inconsistent. You know, you're the authority. You're trying to hold down Roman Reigns, yet you keep arbitrarily giving him shots at winning the title.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I mean, personally, if I'm trying to hold the guy down hey, guess what, Roman, you're going to fight some jobber in the first match of the night, and you're not going to get close to this title. No. So, I mean, to put him in a triple threat match, yes, he has to win to get in, but, I mean, the whole fact that he even has the opportunity to win to get in. Yeah. It's just kind of like, okay. I mean, yes, you do suspend your disbelief, but, I mean, that's just my natural reaction is, I mean, why don't you just keep him the hell away from the match? Anyway, um, the highlight of the night on Raw, Ed, I sent it to you earlier today. You saw a part of it. If you saw my Facebook page, you saw the first part of it. <sighs> Raw, of course, was coming to you from the 305 Miami, home of the U. A. green, And there is no one more popular in Miami, Florida, than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep. And, of course, he's... Been a pretty good wrestler throughout his career. I guess, you know, you could kind of say that the WWE made The Rock. I mean, before that, he was just Dwayne Johnson, failed football player. So, you know, WWE made Rock a superstar, so Rock has always been really good about kind of repaying the favor to WWE. Rock comes up, gives an, oh man, absolutely epic. One camera walk through the back where he had about three or four different interactions um, that were just they were they were rock to the absolute core. Um, he 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 talked to of course another Miami superstar uh, Rick Ross in the back. Ah, oh, Rick Ross is here, hey, and the Rock's kind of narrating this the whole way, and uh, he he comes across uh, the Big Show, who of course in. In the year 2000, Ed, uh, in the Royal Rumble, Big Show and Rock had an extremely controversial ending to the Royal Rumble. The Rock was named the winner, even though actually the Big Show, if you go back and watch the video, the Big Show actually beat him. The Rock then proceeds to tell the Big Show that, yeah, you know, the guy who produced the Scorpion King, he was watching the match that night, and he said, whoever wins this match, I'm going to make him the Scorpion King. Man, it worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah which of course proceeded to make the big show cry and um snap in half a uh a notebook computer <laughs> which was quite funny um he then has an interaction with lana where uh, the rock kind of goes off the rails a little bit and um is maybe a little sexist <laughs> maybe kind of treats lana like a whore but you know in typical rock fashion it was very funny he came up with some very funny uh sexual positions Was then interrupted by Rusev and told Rusev he's a very lucky man. He's marrying a very flexible woman. The Rock then finally makes his way uh, to the ring, comes to the ring, and then has an interaction with The New Day. Now, Ed, if there is one group in the WWE that people would love to see interact with The Rock, it's the most entertaining group, and that is The New Day. And they did not disappoint. They Um, never did. I know you said you watched the video. The funniest thing with the New Day is just watching their little improv reactions to everything. Uh, And um, it's just, it was fantastic. The Rock compared uh, Big E to, um, it said it looked like the Incredible Hulk, banged Urkel. The New Day, of course, were wearing their unicorn horns. The Rock said no self-respecting man will wear a llama penis to the ring. Uh, but basically Ed while The Rock's out there we get to travel back in time to 1999 uh, we get to throw off that TVPG rating and go a little more TV14 and it's a nice little nostalgia run for those of us who, who truly remember The Rock and his absolutely dirty brand of comedy <laughs> um, ends up at the end uh, he takes out The New Day drops the people's elbow on uh, Xavier Woods everyone goes crazy and uh, by the way if you look at the ratings Roger over 4 million last night shocking so um, you know when when they uh, when you go to Miami and you um, you advertise for a uh, special return by a superstar most people kind of figure Miami he's filming ballers it's going to be the rock people tuned in so for whatever it's worth give it to the man because people tuned in and uh, as we said, it was a fun-packed, uh, fun-packed couple days of WWE action. And now you folks at home are feeling so raw.
0: Well, And that's exactly what the WWE needed to boost those numbers and keep those ratings up. So we'll be excited to see how these storylines continue towards the next pay-per-view. That's going to do it for episode 91 of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Um, you can, of course, keep the conversation going on social media. Follow us on Twitter at are.
1: At Wes Bradshaw 21.
0: I am at Edward Green. Uh, this podcast, as always, is presented by NGSC Sports and NGSC Sports.com, where we never stop. Uh, you can find them on Twitter, at NGSC Sports. You can find us on Facebook through our sister show, The All New Sports Show. Uh, you can email us through that, gmail.com And finally, mail us letters and parcels, to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mount, North Carolina 27804. Please also uh, give a lot of thanks to our um, other people who host our podcast and you can listen to it through uh, including the iTunes Music excuse me, the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker.com, uh the TuneIn radio app, iHeartRadio and Podbean.com as well as a host of others. So that's going to do it for it us this week on the foreign affair podcast. Uh, I'll be back next week to bring you a wrap up of the second capital one cup matchup, the FA cup and midweek premier league goodness. So Wes, before that, anything else to say before we end this
1: episode? And unfortunately this part of the last few weeks has almost become like our obituary section. We lose another great one today. Maybe not so much in his prime anymore, but uh, the, the great Abe Vigoda. Yeah. Has uh, has now left us in this world. Uh, of course, uh, famous for many roles over the years. The most famous to me, uh, Sal Tessio in The Godfather. Um, you know, uh, tried to set up Michael Corleone at the end of it. Uh, it was sniffed out, and he was himself snuffed out. But a uh, great actor, great character actor over the years. Um, he dies, I believe he was ninety four. So like you see him not a huge surprise, but oh man it's just a little sad every every week it's like we're R.I.P.ing somebody on here
0: it hasn't been a good week for those we have lost it hasn't been a good year for those we have lost but we hope it gets better in the weeks to come so from a call Wes bradshaw i am edward green thank you so much for joining us here this week again on the a foreign affair podcast we'll catch you guys next week until then stay safe stay warm and enjoy the soccer
1: and good night pakistan
0: oh Okay,
1: that's just being nice to. Itch- good
0: you might as well. Good Good, good to be nice to the people in Pakistan. It's all it's good. Good, to. Good to do that. It's good call. Good call. Good call.